Hello and welcome to No Low Time, Episode 2. This is one of your hosts, Obed Velasti, and with me is the most interesting man in the world, Joel Young. What's good, guys? What's good? It's so good to be back. I mean, you know, we, we last spoke and we said we'll keep the show bi-weekly in. Look what it is, guys. We are back. We're back. This is super impromptu, so um, we, we, we feel like uh, this is something that's actually working really good for us. So, uh, so we're, we're gonna, we're gonna keep on doing it. So we're gonna go for, uh, see if we can do this, uh, weekly now, instead of doing it bi-weekly, uh, since we got some feedback. So we want to go ahead and, uh, and, and try and do this, uh, more often. So, yeah. Yeah. Summer, summer is the best time to, to, to do this. So we're, we're excited to go through this with you guys as much as we can. And we understand the feedback from you guys of wanting to have this as often as possible. So we're happy to do this. It's our pleasure. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Joel, what's up, man? What you been doing? Okay, so we last spoke, and you know we had Mother's Day weekend. So take care of mom. You know that's that's important. But uh, for the fun stuff on the side from there, as I started doing some binge watching, catching up, I was behind on Agents of Shield, which is what I I watch. I'm not gonna lie. I know it has different reviews some people love it some people just go oh it's terrible and you know it, it, all things are subjective in that manner so i understand that but as for me i look at it from the standpoint of this there are if you're a dc fanboy you've got options when it comes to television you can watch the flash you can watch arrow you can watch supergirl you can watch gotham you can watch legends of tomorrow now they're adding this black lightning show they ha you have options right as a Marvel fan, and mind you, I watch DC television. I choose to watch Arrow and Flash when I can. But as a Marvel guy, I don't got many choices. There's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then whenever there's a Netflix show. Yep. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is my way of getting Marvel, you know, basically on a weekly basis until they you know, have their season finale, which they just did. And I caught up on it, and I had a great – man, that finale was great. It, it cool. was so so rewarding. You know, I, I've been invested in the Ghost Rider storyline when they announced at Comic-Con last year saying that they were going to have the Ghost Rider. And I was like, you guys cannot mess up on this. Of course, it would have been cool. It would have been cool if Nick Cage would have showed up randomly in there. But, uh, it did, you know, they, they, they went a different way. They had Robbie Reyes, and that makes sense to distinguish themselves, right? And he has a comic book character that not many people are familiar with as a Ghost Rider. So yeah, I, I, wasn't, was I wasn't familiar with, uh, with uh, that version of Ghost Rider uh until i saw the the screenshot from the show and then i started doing some research was like and uh, i found out that this is a completely different character from uh from blaze so it, it it is and and i love how on the show they they give you his story they don't rush it he's he was the first arc of the show was mainly ghost rider between the beginning and the, the mid-season finale and then they went away into this whole life model decoy thing but they still brought him back in for the finale and the cool thing is, even though they told his story in the beginning, they did make the they did make it cool and interesting in the sense that they didn't give you all the answers, especially for those who are not familiar with Robbie Ray's storyline. Um, you know, there's there's a conversation piece between Coulson and and uh, Robbie Ray's at the end, and he's like, "Hey, you're not going to tell the other guys about this, and we don't know. You know, you don't know what he's talking about. You know, I have some guesses as a comic book guy on what it is." But it's so cool that they, they gave you all this information 
and yet they didn't give you everything yet. So if they continue, and, and yes, Agent Shield was picked up for season five before even the season finale. So you know they're going to probably bring him back if they're not even setting up for him to spin off into his own show, which I think is a real possibility. Although, you know, they did end it with the Inhuman storyline. So it is directly connected to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm excited about that because that's coming out September 1st. It's going to be an IMAX. They actually filmed it with IMAX cameras. And they're going to show it in IMAX theaters. It's the partnership between Disney and IMAX. It's going to be in IMAX theaters the first week of September. And then shortly after that, then on Friday nights at 9 o'clock, then they're going to show it on television. So that's, that's pretty cool. Gotcha. That's awesome. So I heard that uh, they're going to start mixing up the TV shows more with the uh, MCU. Is that correct? So that there's so you know it's so hard to read Kevin Feige because he releases a statement saying yes it's going to happen if he said he said yes it's going to happen we're going to have them in there, but he's but then they asked him in another separate interview okay so we heard you said this is going to happen when is it going to happen he's like well it could happen twenty years from now and you're like oh, come this, on this, man come on <laughs> come on like we don't do that don't do that to the fans <laughs> no. I, I I, I know you and I, when we saw Civil War, we were like, hey, maybe there will be something with, you know, having Charlie Cox's Daredevil in there, right? We thought was, maybe. Yeah, we talked about it before the movie came out, and we thought that that was going to happen, where we're, we're going to see Murdoch in the movie. And they didn't do it. And, they didn't and, do it, yeah. And we both thought they might. We know that he's been completely transparent to the media saying, yes, I, I know for me. He didn't talk about the other actors, but he says, for me, I have in my contract a one Marvel film deal. So it's in his contract that he can do it. Now, Marvel has plenty of actors. I mean, mind you, the Red Skull, uh, Hugo, who, who you know, the actor who played Red Skull, he yeah. has on his contract to do, you know, like, was it like four Marvel films? He did one. And so if Marvel wanted to, they could be, you know, this – this oppressive studio and be like, well, guess what's in your contract? So you have to put it on. But he's made it very clear he doesn't want to do it. So, you know, contracts are contracts. So Mar the Marvel has the right to do it if they want to. They can force this person to do it. Obviously, in this situation, uh, Charlie Cox is would like to be. He's made it clear he would love to be in the larger MCU. So I'm like, hey, guys, make it happen. Infinity Wars is here, but who knows? What is Avengers for? Maybe that's something that is a spoiler that will tie it in. I don't know. So, I mean, I'm hoping it happens. Yeah, those type of contracts, they uh, sometimes are double-edged swords to see what happens with what happened with Jennifer Lawrence on Age of Apocalypse, where she was like, pretty much, I'm going to phone it in. Oh, my and goodness. Dude, that was, was my problem great. with it. Yeah, uh, if you compare her performance on movie versus First Class and even uh, Days of Future Past, it, you can definitely see that. It's so obvious. Yeah, you can tell that she didn't want to be there, or or not that she didn't want to be there, but she like, wasn't in it. Like her heart wasn't in it. Yeah, she she felt she probably felt like she could do more important work than X Men. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, man. But, but what have you been doing, man? I know you you had an interesting weekend too for Mother's Day. I'm sure. I I did. So, uh. I love Disney. Uh, we we'll, we both know that. So yeah. we, we went. We over the weekend. We had the uh, chance to go over over the Mother's Day weekend. We had the chance to go over to Epcot with the family. Man, so I don't. I don't want to rant. <laughs> because Here it comes, guys. I, so I love Epcot. When I first came to uh, WDW back in '93, 
I was blown away by Epcot. I it's one of those places in the world where I say I could I could pitch a tent and live here and be happy for the rest of my life. Okay. But as and I think it's because the world has gotten smaller because you used to go back to the world showcase and it used to be this uh, really awesome experience of quote unquote being in a different country. Um, and, and the world has gotten smaller, you know, via because of the internet or where it'd be uh, you know, the flow of general flow of information and accessibility to things. Um, but I felt like, and I know that they, that Disney's working on on getting a lot of new stuff. Uh, there's a rumored Guardians ride that will go eventually to Epcot. That's right. Based on what we've heard, uh, that Frozen ride was actually pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed it. It is good. We didn't have to wait that long, so it didn't bother me. That's it was it was good. There was real, some really cool effects that they had there, and the animatronics are really nice. So they're using the 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 face projection. Uh, versus the actual animatronic, which I think it's 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 it looks good. It it looks good, and it also it's cost it's cost savings because they don't have to worry about maintenance on you know facial uh, expressions on the animatronics. That's true. Um, but what I found out is that it, it the park got smaller, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I I went to Epcot last last May as well. Uh, before that, it, it had been a while. Um, and I used to go frequently uh, when when I uh, worked at Disney a few years ago. The big thing to me, man, I went to that Japan Pavilion, and that place used to be magical. I used to go in there. And I was like, oh my god, it's Japanese candy, Japanese toys, and people. And it was it was magical. And I went there, and now it's like, oh, everything's really expensive. It's like I can now buy this at the at at my local Oriental supermarket. Yeah, uh, and I can get all these toys online for a third of the price. So it was jarring. It, it was it felt weird, Joel, because I really love Epcot. Uh, going through the innovate uh, the what used to be uh, innovations or interventions. Um, it was all empty. They had a few characters here and there, but it was all empty. And I remember when, when dad was full of exhibits and video games and interactive experiences, that's all gone. So, uh, to me, it was kind of jarring. It's like, I felt like part of my childhood kind of like, like died out <laughs> over mother's day. <laughs> Uh, so I was, I was, I was kind of disappointed. You know, that's, that's a fair analysis. That's a fair analysis. It was good, but I think it's, it's a sign of the times, you know, they probably, uh, need to do some updating. Uh, it's, it's a, again, sign of the times. Disney knows what they're doing. I know that they, they have really great plans for that park, but man, it wasn't that crowded. So it wasn't bad. The weather was okay. I had a great time with the family, so I, I'm I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying that it used to be a much more magical experience and a deeper experience for me to go there and experience what they have. So, uh, but other than that, I just kept rolling at that Persona Five. So you're gonna get your weekly Persona Five update now. Oh boy! <laughs> so I finished that second dungeon. The dungeons, okay. the dungeons on the on that game are phenomenal. 
they're really well designed. You you can tell that they really put effort on making those dungeons unique. This uh, the second dungeon to me was a lot better than the first one. The first one first kind of it felt kind of grind grindy. Uh, there was a lot. This one flowed a lot better, and they had a lot more to add story wise. Uh, so I enjoyed it. Uh, I started doing a lot of the mementos as well. Uh, the mementos are basically uh, procedurally, they're procedurally generated dungeons. Cool. Uh, they're side, they're, I would say they're side quests, but not necessarily because you don't need to do them to progress in the game, but it'll be a good idea to go in and get some XP, get money out of your fights. Uh, they do offer some story bits here and there. I'm assuming it's going to get deeper as I go in. So uh, I did a few hours of that. I played against some more Goro on uh, on the Vita. I got a little bit better <laughs> this time. So I wasn't I wasn't complaining too much about the AI. So I started adapting. Uh, but other than that, I didn't get to play that much. But going back to Persona 5, man, that game's real good. Music, phenomenal presentation that game's really again like i said really stylish some of the mechanics it, it i got to the point where in the game where they kind of cut me loose and they started letting me do my own thing instead of hand holding me through tutorials i'm assuming there are going to be some more tutorials later on because of how many different mechanics this game has but it's they they started uh giving me a little bit more of a free range to do my own thing so uh, other than that, man, it's been uh, it's been a quiet week, quiet weekend, dude. That was pretty. That was pretty interesting, though. I mean, you go to Disney, got some some quality gaming time in. That's the way to do it. Yeah, got some sleep. It's always good. But that's always important. Just a little <laughs> bit important. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but no, I, I you know for the, the, to recap there on Epcot, man. I, I that was a that was so true. I mean, you know, it, it, it for someone who who has viewed it has been there for a long time. You know, she's not been there for a long time. Who, who has visited it a long time ago, visiting it again and again. Of course, you do recognize something that, you know, could use a little more of a facelift. And so I know Disney, there's some rumors I was reading some stuff about a multi-billion dollar plans for the park. I think yeah. it's important for people. And I think people do get it. Those who are those at least I would say more local. They understand to appreciate Epcot for what it is. It's not your typical type of theme park. It's a very Walt Disney original inspired idea. So you have to look, you can't look at it and say, okay, well, this has this, but Universal Studios has this, you know, for an example. You can't compare it because it's its own thing. Now, with that being said, it still needs, you know, some, some facelifts. So I definitely respect that. Yeah, the, the park was envisioned more of a fair type of thing versus right. an actual theme park. Uh, Disney, I guess Walt Disney did not want, originally did not want any rides on the park. They were added after, I guess, feedback. Um, so uh, well, I'm looking at it two ways. This is, it was part of Walt Disney's original vision for the park. Guest feedback kind of drove it a different direct in a different direction. Uh, I still love it. Uh, it, it's still it's still beautiful. It's laid out beautifully. It's very oh, yeah. well kept, very clean. So it's not like it's dirty and run down. It's just that a lot of the things that were there that would really, I would say, really inspiring to me when I went there in the past 
are either gone or they they they're not they don't flash as they used to but it's, it was still fun man it was still a beautiful experience so yeah that that's always great to hear and i mean to me I, the what i would compare though to from a situation of you know needing the upgrades or you know changing things around to make it more magical for people of, of the modern age you know is the same thing of what was going on at Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios had a lot of really has a lot of really cool, uh, you know, stuff that's from the original days, but it did need a lot of help. And so Disney has taking the time to say, "Look, we're going to keep the stuff that's original and iconic, but now they're adding to it some really cool stuff." So I don't like where some people are like, "Oh, you know," I've heard people say, "Oh, I really dislike that park, or it's so boring, or this and that." You understand it for what it is. Each park is unique. That's what I love about Disney: is the Animal Kingdom is about the animals. Hollywood Studios is about the the nature of film. Epcot, yeah. the future. You know, Magic Kingdom, a, fa- a world of fantasy. They're all so specific in how they are, so you can't compare each one to each other. But I do like that Disney is able to hear the feedback, and not us going, okay, just accept that they are going to do something about it, and so that's exciting. Yeah, they've always been really. Uh, they they do do really care about the the guests. Uh, like I said, I, I've worked for Disney in the past, and I can definitely tell that fan feedback. Uh, and guest feedback overall for them is extremely important and they do take it seriously and you see you see those things like with like again with hollywood studios half of the classic attractions are gone now because they're they have a new venture and a new venue and they want to put that product that they paid a ton of money for out there and 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 i know that and I got to see when I worked at Disney, I got to see some of the behind the scenes even before all of that was announced. And it was really interesting. So and, go ahead. And no, it's, it's just funny because I can see people who responded one way going completely opposite when they understand what Disney's plans were. Because they don't just do stuff drastically. Mm-hmm. If they're making a, a plan like this, they're really think about the full picture of it. You, the audience, but also the full picture so it's going to be so rewarding just to stick it out and see what it is going to be like like you already knew from behind the scenes yeah but it's just it's not i don't think people are going to be disappointed at all with what's going to happen there and this uh, i saw this back in 08 09 maybe so it's it's been a while and now and now it's getting done and i know that it's getting a little delayed i know that during celebration they showed a video of what some of the plans are they did i missed that panel and they are expanding on what the original vision for it was and that's why it's getting delayed so we'll see so interesting stuff it's exciting it's exciting Especially if you live in florida if you have accessibility to the theme parks it's it's really exciting so i agree i agree but to change gears a little bit here we've got some interesting stuff you shared with me earlier today that i know for sure is going to be our first topic here Having to do in the world of PlayStation, you want to tell us about this? Yeah, Joe. Uh, before before I jump into that, uh, two quick two two quick notes, uh, sad notes actually. Uh, just last night, uh, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, Audio Slave, passed away. Uh, he was an excellent musician, uh, amazing vocalist. Uh, this one kind of hits me a little bit because he sings, uh, "You know my name" from Oh Casino yeah. Royale. 
and Casino Royale is one of my one of my all time favorite movies. I would say probably my fifth favorite movie of all time. So good. So uh, it is really sad to me, and 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 you know he was a one of those special talents, and uh, he he will definitely be missed. Uh, on that note, John Sigan passed away. John Sigan was a voice actor, comedian. He was in a lot of the Pixar movies, uh, a lot of you know sitcoms. He was you know like i said a voice actor comedian uh had an extensive work on video games but to me it's this one hits it's kind of home because uh he was the voice of solid snake on uh metal gear solid 2. oh yeah so this one kind of hits home and uh, uh we a lot of fans wanted saigon to do big boss on metal gear solid 5 and uh because Solid Snake is supposed to be the perfect clone of Big Boss. So, uh, John was a, a fan favorite for sure. So, uh, uh, and he, like I said, he was he was involved heavily involved with uh, with Pixar and uh, and other animated films, extensive video game work. Uh, so, yeah, just real quick, touching on those two, uh, you know, rest in peace, and uh, they'll be missed for sure. For sure, yeah, definitely. So, Joe, real quick, let's jump on it. <laughs> let's do it. So, uh, Digital Trends is reporting uh, that supposedly this is a, was a rumor. Uh, this came about 2015. There was a patent from Sony that came out. It got it was made public in February of this year, and it was a device that was very similar to the Nintendo Switch. So people started speculating, oh, well, Sony, did Sony knew what Nintendo was doing? Was this done before the Switch? So there was a lot of speculation back then. Uh, but uh, just yesterday, uh, Digital Trends reported on this. Uh, they're calling it the PlayStation Playman. Uh, it looks like it's about an 8-inch screen with detachable controllers like the Switch. It does have uh, some sort of pedestal base on it and it looks like the base has some ports in the back maybe you know to plug in onto the tv charging most likely uh those sort of ports this looks like it looks like a render so this doesn't look like an actual product uh the reason and and this is a rumor but the reason that we're talking about this is a few weeks ago we were having lunch and and we were talking about what do you think sony has planned for e3 and i told you i think sony's gonna do either a successor for the Vita or some handheld. You did say that. You did and, say that. And and then this thing comes out, and it looks real nice. Like, it looks like, like a high-end product, and it, the controllers are well-designed. Um, it has the, the touchpad that the DualShock 4 has. It looks like the screen may be a touchscreen for, for, from what I can see. It has that tablet that's on that on that base on that detachable base that has ports on it very well designed product and you know always sony has always designed excellent handhelds and this is going back to the walkman this man going back to the mini disc and psp vita 
those devices, their MP3 players are really well designed and their phones are really well designed too. So this kind of, this looks like an Xperia tablet to me. Joel. It does. It does. When yeah. I was looking at it too, it looked like an Xperia tablet, but it does have the feelings of the Switch, particularly the way the detachable hand pieces are. What's so cool is how it does still have everything that a DualShock 4 has. That's what stood out to me at first. Yeah. And and, and not, the biggest thing was just the fact of how the Vita had a lack of the triggers on the back. This it has does. completely having this one completely having it makes it completely feel like okay, I, I have a DualShock Four, but for this and my other that's my question to you. I don't know if you, what your thoughts are on this. Do you think that there will be if this is real that this would also be capable for you to sync up a DualShock Four to this rather than using the the hand pieces that that it would come with you think that'd be possible yeah there's no reason why they would they wouldn't do that it would be more like what the pro controller is to the switch so okay. so they i would think that they absolutely would need to do that this is very interesting uh i wasn't expecting sony to come out with a handheld so quick the vita people say it doesn't have any games i don't know i found new games every week so, and you can import games from Asia. They're translated to English, uh, not the voice acting, but at least the text is. So we'll see if this is true. This looks very interesting. I wonder what kind of horsepower they're planning to put on this thing. If if this is true, so. Yeah, I mean the picture of the concept art here has it playing Horizon, so that's that's got has some serious power if you're gonna be showing that game. Yeah, the the thing is that uh, that's that's relative because I remember when the Vita came out, they were showing uh, the Last of Us running oh, yeah. on the Vita on remote play, and that was really misleading. Uh, <laughs> showing the graf the graphical capabilities to the Vita. Don't get me wrong, the Vita screen is is great because it's a really sharp looking it's screen. OLED. But yeah, the originals are OLED, and even the LED. I have the LED version, and even the LED looks real nice. But remote play, it's fine. It works fine on PS4. I don't use it because of what you said. It doesn't have the triggers, so that kind of puts me off. Not being able to take full advantage of. The controller you can map the triggers to either the screen or the uh the touchpad in the back it's not the same but it's not the same so we'll see this looks very interesting i don't know if this is going to be competing you know competing against the uh, it will be competing definitely against the switch based on form factor itself for sure uh, but like i said i don't know what kind of horsepower they're planning on putting into this thing they can yeah. probably yeah go ahead no, I'm just saying, not just the horsepower, but also how developer-friendly is it, you know? Because is it something that people are going to want to make exclusives for? You know, Nintendo, yep. you know, Nintendo's going to have Nintendo's titles. So you know you're going to get the Zeldas and all the, the, the Mario games and all that, right? But that's what makes the Switch so cool, because it's, it's a new generation, but you're having all the Nintendo stuff. This is another iteration of a PlayStation model, just making it more portable. But I think exclusives is what's going to make it more cool. Like, why do I need to have this console? Well, guess what? You can play these types of games on here, not just to have another PlayStation Four just in your hands. Yeah, as as far as I've, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as I've heard, the Vita was pretty developer friendly. It has an ARM chip, much like what the iPhone uses. Okay. Uh, so it was very developer friendly. The problem with the Vita and 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 of course the 3DS, uh, which is the competing handheld, is that in uh, in two years, 
mo mobile phones are just going to leave you in the dust. They are, you know, uh, with with power capabilities and, and graphic capabilities and screen resolution. So that I think that's that's their biggest challenge right now. Uh, but look at looking at this thing with a bigger screen. It looks like, like I said, uh, like an H eight inch kind of Xperia tablet looking device with the chat detachable controllers and what you said probably being able to pair up uh, a ds4 so it's it looks really interesting um, i'm really interested on in this thing uh, i really want to buy a switch because i i haven't had a nintendo console since the n64 so i think it's about time for me to get a nintendo console and i really like what they're doing with the switch so we'll see this is very yeah. interesting We'll we'll see. You know, the other thing too to think about since you just mentioned about also the phones saying how the phones are really taking over in the market, just the raw power that's being possible yeah. through them. Yeah. The thing is if this is true that that they're gonna actually put something of this nature out there, this very well could be the last handheld gaming console from Sony that we see. Yeah. They're they're prob probably gonna put all their uh X into one last basket and throw it out there, much like what Microsoft I think it's doing with uh, Project Scorpio. They're just go going with one one last bang to see what happens. I agree. I agree. So this could be the this could be a sad thing if, if this if this does happen. It's a pot. It's a cool thing because okay, we wanted a new you know opposite to PS Vita. We want something new. By the same time, if you know, hey, this could be the last time you get from PlayStation a handheld. This yeah. this could be, could be bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, it looks well designed, so I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Soon. Yep. Yeah, so on another note here, to switch it into the comic book world or comic book movie world, shall we? Uh, some other breaking news was coming out of DC. There was a lot of news coming out of, from DC this, this week. I mean, there was a bunch of different rumors and scoops and different things coming out. I'm very careful on what sources I listen to. There's a lot of guys who say they're in the scoop business, but they're they're just really fabricating information and, and getting clickbait. But fake news. Fake news, man. So so you have you know stories of okay, Justice League's getting these reshoots and there's problems with the movie and this is going on with Wonder Woman, which is why they're not marketing it. A lot of that stuff was shot down pretty early, which is why I didn't get excited or any or anything about that. You know, the fact of the matter is, every movie has re every big blockbuster movie has reshoots. Rogue One had massive reshoots. The movie's great. Uh, yep. You know, it um that does the reshoots thing doesn't concern me as much as when I actually hear a review from the film. Um, so that you know that that's interesting, but there is one thing you know that did caught that has caused me to consistently be concerned but not negative towards it because I want to see this succeed, right, is the Flash movie. The Flash movie was announced with the large DC when DC is making their announcement of their whole universe. We're doing Batman vs. Superman. We're doing Justice League. We're doing Wonder Woman. You know, and they said, hey, we're going to do a Flash movie. The Flash movie has been a problem for DC, and, and there's no secret. They've lost twice now. The directors, they had um, the guys who did the Lego movie. They had them going to be directing The Flash. They were public about it. They were going to be writing, directing. They dropped out. Then you had um, this other gentleman. I forget his name now. I believe it was the director of Dope. I, um, don't quote me on it, but I believe that was the, the director. He was supposed to be doing it, and he dropped out recently. 
So this movie has not been able to get into development just because it keeps losing directors. And they even said that there was an actor, um, the actor um, from, from Watchmen, that's supposed to be playing the father of Barry Allen in the movie. And then there was a report saying, oh, he dropped out. But there's, there's mixed, you know, mixed word on that. Some people are saying, no, he's not left the film. He's still in the movie. So that I, I don't know what's true. But with all that being said, DC's still going full swing. And so there's different reports going out there. One that was saying Mark Webb or Sam Raimi were in the runnings to actually direct The Flash, which is interesting because they both directed Spider-Man trilogies or yeah. one of them, not a full trilogy. But they, they were supposed to be doing that. But the strong rumor from a source that I do trust, uh, the source is from The Wrap, they're saying that Robert... Zemeckis is the front runner to direct The Flash. Uh, so that is interesting because this guy, this guy is, you know, he's a seasoned director. He's a legend. So yeah. He's, he's, he's a legend. Yeah. He's a legend. So if this guy is going to be directing this, you know, he, that, that would be, that would be big. And that would make a lot of fanboys say, you know what? This movie maybe is not. In the trouble that we thought it is if they can land this i think they'd make a lot of people's worries go away don't you agree so the only the only way that Semekis would be able to direct this movie is if he has 100 percent creative control over how the movie goes that's how he's done like the disney offshoots like didn't he direct that uh that weird aliens movie for disney was that mars need needs moms yeah i think i think didn't he, he did that, that? I think and, so. And I mean, he directed the Polar Express and, you know, of course, he's more famous for directing Back to the Future. For again, again, this is actually Back to the Future, my number two favorite movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Forrest Gump, then, you know, those movies are phenomenal. So Forrest Gump hasn't aged particularly well, especially with some of the uh, themes it, it touches on, but... Uh, Back to the Future still holds up, and it's a phenomenal movie. I watched it again recently. I, I try to watch it every year because it's so good. And no shade, no shade on the Flash TV show, but I call pretty much the Flash TV show Back to the Future now because that's what they do all every season now. Is they go really? Back to the Future to change the past, to change. It's a time travel show, and you know it makes sense. It's Speed Force, so why not get I a guy who knows all about making time and consistency in film? This yeah, guy. I feel I fell off really hard. Off of that show, but yeah, on, on on to your point, absolutely, he can definitely convey that time travel slash speed. Uh, really, he can really put it well on the big screen. So, and I think I think what's happening now is he's using the media. I mean, I'm not gonna say necessarily him, but I believe his people is using the media to purposely leak this information out because he probably does want to do it. But the whole 100% creative control. If DC passes up and they don't get this guy to direct, that can make a lot of people. It's gonna be bad publicity for them because they're gonna be saying, "What you? How do you lose an A-list director to do this movie?" Yeah, I don't know if you if you watched it, but I sent you a video yesterday. It was uh, it was the Suicide Squad review from the uh, Nostalgia Critic. Yeah, I didn't get to see it yet. And and it's funny because they have the the uh, two of the guys uh, playing two executives from from dc slash uh you know wb and and they're and they're coming up with new things as they go and cutting characters and putting characters and 
saying that this is all for the fans and the fans will, under will understand what's going on and how they don't care about leaving non-fans behind, which is what Marvel com did the completely opposite thing. Absolutely. Where they educated non-fans into caring about these characters. Absolutely. So, so it's it's really it was it was really good. It's real funny. Just, uh, watch it when you get a chance. I will check it out and hope our listeners check it out too. But uh, I think I think uh, uh, Robert Zemeckis is a, is a de definitely a respectable director. And if uh, I don't think Warner has to guts to mess around with him, and, yeah. and you know, and change things on him. So if they if they pull it off, uh, I'm in. I'm in. I'm on board. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm still questionable on the casting, but if you have a great director, you know what? Oh, yeah. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. You know, some some people were questionable on Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, and I think I think a lot of those questions have gone away. That before the movie came out, I get this really strong feeling that when the movie comes out a lot of critics are going to change their minds so hopefully the same thing can happen for the flash yeah a good director can make a big difference i mean the same thing happened to sam raimi with the uh spider-man trilogy that's true he was only known for the evil dad movies and then you know he comes in and and definitely slays the first two. Oh, so good uh you can definitely tell when when sony started pushing papers onto the onto spider-man 3 and kind of messed it up a little bit still it's still kind of enjoyable i think the movie's too long so but, but <laughs> we, we could do away with the emo spider-man yeah emo spider-man's okay I, I didn't mind that i actually find that uh, that dance sequence actually pretty entertaining so yeah, it's it's funny but in the context of watching it it's like what it's it's cringy so that's why it's good yeah yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> that's true yeah so uh joel you remember the the NES Mini that came out uh, a few months ago and that no one can buy now, right? Yeah, I don't know why they stopped manufacturing it. Yeah, I, I know. Talk, talk about not listening to your fan base. Well, we'll we'll see what they do for this Christmas. Rumors that they're gonna come out with a with an SNES Mini, so we'll see about that. But in the meantime, Hyperkin, which is uh, mostly known for the Retron consoles, the original Retron played uh, NES and Famicom games. Uh, they kept getting new iterations every few years. The, their last console was the Retron 5, which could play multiple cards, uh, Mega Drive, uh, as well as Super Nintendo, NES, Game Boy Advanced, uh, Game Boy, I think even Game Gear cartridges. And uh, it was an HD console that they released, but unfortunately everything was done over emulation, and the emulator was kind of buggy and and the code was uh was questionable uh it came from questionable sources so so it wasn't it wasn't very popular but they are coming now coming out with a, the uh what they call the retron hd uh, and this is basically an nes uh clone so it's it's hardware it's not it's not software emulation so it is hardware you are playing your nes cartridge on it and it does have a 720p output it has the original nes controller inputs on it it looks small it's a top loader which is great uh only 40 dollars joel this is pretty good um, i'm looking to get one of these that's awesome dude that that's yeah. so awesome I, I love it that there's you know they're giving an opportunity for 
guys like us who appreciate these original consoles to get your chance to say you can get another new one now. And this is interesting because unlike the Nintendo NES where it was software-based, you're actually still putting the cartridge in like you were saying. So that is, that's interesting to have that fully classic feel for a modern day and having it cheap again. I'm sure these are going to sell like wildfire. Oh, man. I, I think so, and the, there are two competitors right now. It's Retro USB. Uh, the Retro USB uh, NES clone goes for around one one fifty, one forty, maybe. I can I can remember. I think I looked it up a couple weeks ago because I was looking into getting one. But after after looking at this, this looks like a, a way better deal to me because it's you know it, it does everything that that other console does and uh, not to mention the analog nt mini uh which goes for around 500 dollars. oh wow uh, it's ridiculous uh, it, it's very it's a very niche product it's a super it's an ultra premium product as i call it uh, it's 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 not worth my you know my money if you ask me uh, i have two nes's laying around so but to be able to to use hdmi and not have to worry about inputs and lag and and worrying about all cables and audio being wrong through my tv and all that so this is very appealing to me oh this is this is awesome i mean for they're they were smart to put at the price i didn't realize the other one that was 150 i didn't realize they had that so they're they're smart they're like look we're yeah the uh, the nes itself was pretty cheap itself that they were uh you know putting out there for a bit so now this Again, having a cheap option, you know, it's it's perfect. Yeah, of course, it doesn't come with any games, so you have to, if you don't have any games laying around, you'd have to invest on that. Uh, but you can get a decent, for $100, you can get a decent uh, small NES uh, collection of, you know, good games like the, the, the Mario's and... Uh, Zelda, maybe. And Zelda, for sure. There's millions of those cards out there. So you can, you can definitely get a, a few of those. Uh, on this package and if you're looking to do other options like the disney games there's there's other options on ps4 and and, and xbox one now where you can play some of those games so very interesting man uh, i'm i'm excited i'm gonna see uh there's a there's a, a retro shop across the street from where i live so i'm gonna i stop there over the weekend and ask them if they're gonna bring any if well, that's not, a good idea. Yeah, if not for forty dollars, I'll 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 sign up for sure if they if they have a waiting list or something. Yeah, if you I'm, do that, if you do that, you get update our listeners and then give us a review on it for sure. If you do yeah. that, so that yeah, that's I'll, awesome. Yeah, I'll try I'll try to do that. Um, those guys are pretty good. They they're usually pretty good at, at getting stuff like this for their store. So um, I'll I'll will I'll give it a look. See if I can find anything out. Nice, nice. Well, to switch gears again, we're looking at another interesting storyline, but this time it's about the success of a game that just came out. It just came out. It's Injustice 2. Injustice 2 just came out, and the reviews on it are solid. Um, I was looking at some of the reviews here, and I saw that Injustice 2 for IGN, they got 9 out of 10 score. Metacritic, 87%. GameSpot, 9 out of 10. Polygon, 9 out of 10. It's really good. And so that that's awesome because I really like the first game. 
I, I played it on PlayStation 4. I still have it. And I actually have played it a couple times since then just for fun, like with friends and family, um, just playing, you know, the, just a classic match. But, you know, Injustice 2, it looks like they took the next step graphically. It's powerful. It has a really cool story, which the first one had a cool story. So I think that's always a, a fan plus there. This time having Brainiac in there, but still continuing this you know, God, God, Superman storyline where it's too far, where he's gone and he's gotta, gotta change the the past and change, you know, different things. And so it's, it looks good, man. Yeah. The first one was real good. That story mode was phenomenal. And I heard the graphics on this thing are, are really, really solid. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish Capcom would learn from, from uh, what NetherRealm are doing on their fighting games with this really elaborate story modes and even their DLC model is not bad uh, compared to that Capcom season pass model they have going on. So good for them. Good for uh, Ed Boon still kicking it after you know, you know almost 25 years of Mortal Kombat. Uh, actually, about 25 years of the original Mortal Kombat. So it's good to see that they're still doing good. Yeah, it's still sitting at uh, at 87 on on Metacritic. Uh, so it looks like it's very very solid uh, overall. So good for them, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm excited now to see what happens with the Marvel vs. Capcom game coming out soon. So now it's the the battle of DC and Marvel as always. Yeah, yeah. DC and Marvel. We'll see. Like I like I said on the on the lab, uh, last podcast. Uh, they're very different, uh, two very different approaches to fighting games from two, I would say, I would call very different franchises now, uh, especially with the Marvel vs. Capcom games, since they have characters from a different universe on their game. Uh, so, yeah, good for another realm, and uh, go grab it. Uh, I'm interested. I, I may grab it probably around Christmas. I have two two too much stuff to play right now. You're probably so, too uh, stuck into Persona, man. You're going to yeah. be stuck in that for a while. Yeah, and I have Nier still that I need to go through, so I'll, I'll, I'll definitely play it. Um, I know that uh, I think the uh, the Guilty Gear Rev, uh, the Rev 2 uh, DLC comes out I believe either next week or beginning of June. I can't remember. I think it's next week in Japan and first week of June here. So that looks real good. I only played that game for like three, four times over Christmas. I was able to grab it. And then I, I got into Final Fantasy and, and this other stuff. So too much to play, man. It's a good problem to have, though. I was going to say, that's not a problem I'll complain <laughs> about. And then now with E3 coming up, I mean, you're just going to hear more games. And then, hello, more games. Yeah. And yeah. It's, 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 it's a good problem to have. Yeah, stuff started leaking out. And... And uh, you know, especially with Ubisoft, which it's it's normal. Is their 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 yearly leak? It's expected uh, before before E three. So things are leaking out, and and like we talked in the past, we probably do, we will do, uh, an E three, uh, a special episode of E uh, three predictions. Uh, that's probably going to be around uh, uh, the week of maybe Friday the 9th of June. That's probably when we'll do it because uh, I know that EA, I believe it's uh, their conference is on the 10th, Microsoft on the 11th, and then Sony on the 12th, Nintendo on the 13th. So uh, we'll definitely going to record two 
back-to-back E3 podcasts. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of coverage, but we're we're happy about it. Hopefully, it will be live up to the anticipation and the hype. So we'll predict it. We'll be hyped about it from the predictions, and then we'll see if it lives up to it. Maybe it surpasses it. Yeah, this in especially this E3. This E3 is going to be make or break for at least one of the big three, you know, console manufacturers. Uh, PC PC guys, they don't need to worry about it. They're nah, fine. They're fine. Uh, but but for one of the one of the uh, you know big console manufacturers, this is make or break. So so I'm really interested. Really interested to see what happens. We're we're hyped. Well, yes, so we are. I hope you guys can join us for that as well. So Joel, do you have any uh, any uh, any uh, cool trivia history trivia for me today? I do, I do. You know, as you guys know, we end the show with some interesting stuff here. History anniversary today in history, at least the day that we're recording this, May seventeenth, nineteen ninety one, the world's first web server, Tim Berners Lee, a British scientist at CERN. Use the next cube as the world's first web server. It's considered the first public launch of the World Wide Web. And how cool is that? Because it's through the power of the internet that we're able to share this content with you now. So May 17th, 1991, an important day. And look at how far we've come today with the internet and how much farther are we going to go. Absolutely. This is, trust me, Joel, I've been, I've been online for... 20 years and it's it's a completely different place yeah yeah we, I mean, we, we, we went from uh three kilobyte jpegs to to 8k slow motion video and all this crazy stuff that's going on and uh very good very good stuff uh, um the the evolution of the internet has been have has been absolutely incredible so yeah yeah definitely definitely young people these days are seeing a very different world Oh, no, than yeah. what many people before, and so it's cool to look back on this history of the internet beginning. For sure. So, uh, Joe, where can everyone find us? Yeah, yeah. You know, guys, we're always happy to have you guys listening, and we want you guys to stay connected with us. So please follow us on Twitter, at NoLowTime, as well as on Facebook and Twitch. You can also send us an email with your questions, comments. We love to hear from you guys. You know, at this point of the show, if we had some interesting questions that we'd like to, to hear from you guys, we would always, you know, fill that in where we can. So you can email us at nolotime at gmail.com. That's nolotime at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Stay connected with us on our social media. There's a lot more coming. Keep Stay excited. We got a lot of interesting stuff. We'll keep you guys in the loop through our social media about when new episodes coming up, just like today. So stay touch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, remember to check us out on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash no load time. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. And uh, drop us a line. Just uh, send us some feedback. Let us know what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right. And uh, and we would love to hear from you guys. So, Joe, uh, to end the show, as always, I will leave you guys with a uh, song of the show. And this is Face Yourself by Shoji Meguro from Persona 4. So uh, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us tonight. And uh, hope you guys have a, a great week. And we'll see you soon. Yeah, guys. See you next time.